This Wilder's Catch podcast is proudly brought to you by Audible. Do you find that you just don't have time to read all of the awesome books that you hear mentioned on the Wilder's Couch? Well, Audible might just have the answer. Audible is offering the Wilder's Couch listeners a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. You can get books like Eat Right for Your Blood Type, Why We Get Fat by Gary Torbs, The Paleo Diet for Athletes, or even The Success Principles by Jack Canfield. So to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com forward slash The Wellness Couch. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash The Wellness Couch for your free audiobook. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Sit back, light the fire, kick your shoes off, because it's time for That Paleo Show with your favourite caveman, Brett Hill. Welcome to That Paleo Show, making the paleo lifestyle easy and accessible for everyone. I'm Brett Hill, and this week I'm joined by someone who's going to talk about a topic that I am just so passionate about, particularly at the moment. Um, She's a mum, a wife, a health and wellness coach. And she's the founder of a group called The Root Cause, who are helping parents give their children the best health into adulthood, which obviously, you know, with the launch of my recent book, um, Nourish Without Nagging, talking all about how to get kids to eat healthy, this is just a perfect topic for us and something that I'm so excited about. So she's actually traveling all around Australia, helping people, helping parents understand where they can start, how they can have time, how they can make it less stressful packing lunches, how they can deal with fussy eaters. Um, and how to put stuff into your kids' lunchboxes that you know they'll want to eat. Um, so she's packed up her whole family into a bus, travelling all around Australia on an amazing adventure. So welcome to the show, Belinda Smith. Thanks, Britt. Thanks for having us on. Oh, so excited to have you on. This is just cool. This um, I'm so excited about what you're doing and your journey. It's It's definitely kind of sparked something inside of me to just go, that's awesome, I would love to do that. And you must hear that all the time. Yeah, we do. We get just overwhelming amount of feedback from people saying, well, this is just such a great thing. So I guess our mission is to transform children's health in Australia one lunchbox at a time. Um, It's a bit of a a story as to how we got started, but my journey into feeding my family real food began after my son was born 11 years, sorry, 11 years ago, five years ago. Um, My husband was diagnosed with postnatal depression Uh, And we decided rather than go straight down the path of getting the script filled that we'd been given for antidepressants, that we'd look at what we could try to manage ourselves to start with. And we uh, discovered a huge linkage between the food we're we're eating and his moods. And and in the course of changing our own food, uh, we changed our entire family. I thought if I'm going to do it for one, I'm going to do it for all. Uh, and we discovered that my daughter's uh, temperament totally changed. She stopped being that kind of child that we thought was beautiful one minute, psychotic the next. Her moods totally mellowed out and these big blue rings that she had under her eyes totally disappeared. And I guess for me as a mum, that was the first time that I thought, wow, I thought I've been doing a really good job and I was with the information that I know, but now that I know more, I can do a much better job. Um, and I guess that was the first real Uh, you know, like eye-opening moment where we realised that perhaps the food that we were eating and that most people that we knew were eating really wasn't that great for us. Um, And the turning point into children's health uh, came about when she was getting teased at school about being poor because she didn't have packets in her lunchboxes. 
And uh, her teacher said to me at that time, well, you've now been trained to be a health and wellness coach. Come in and talk to the kids. So yeah. that's um, that's when I developed my mad food science program. And that's kind of been the catapult to it all, really, because it got such overwhelming feedback from the teacher. You know, I had parents contacting me the next day saying, wow, you know, my son's been going through the pantry, pulling out items, reading the labels and saying, mum, we need to find a better choice. And for me, that was like, okay, this this has the possibility to make a difference. Um, we trialled it at quite a few schools in our local area and the same response. So um, by that stage, we'd already decided that we were going to pack up our family and travel Australia uh, just purely to take a break from the lifestyle that got us into my husband's depression. And so I convinced him that, you know, maybe while we're doing it, we can actually do some good and share what we've learnt with people. And so, yep, we've created, we sold our home. We bought a bus wow. and we've turned the inside of it into a, our, our home because we're going to be in it for 18 months. And the outside is actually a mobile billboard for our mission. So we're, wherever we park it, we pull up and people come up and say, what's all this about? And we get to tell them about the state of children's health in Australia. You know, 27.4% of our kids between 5 and 17 are now considered overweight and obese. Mm-hmm. And the real issue for that is is the chronic illness that they're living their life into. Um, and... You know, I, I kind of see that one of the, our roles in all of this is sharing with parents what we learned about how food can greatly change children's behaviour. But probably more important, teaching children the important life skill now of how to read packet labels because it's kind of, that's become their food, you know. Like, unfortunately, a lot of children have grown up in an environment where the supermarket packets are what they see as food rather than, you know, going to the local farmer's market and choosing fruit and fruits and vegetables for the week. Yeah, absolutely. Belinda, there's so much stuff in there. There's so much stuff I want to talk to you about because it's, <laughs> it's just an amazing thing that you're doing and, and I think we could probably talk about this for hours. But let's go right back to the start because your husband was diagnosed with postnatal depression and I think there's probably a lot of people out there who go, isn't that something that the mums get? Um, and yeah. there's probably not a lot of understanding there that that can happen to husbands and partners as well. Um, so can you talk about that a little bit and, and how he, I guess, dealt with that diagnosis and, and how he dealt with the idea that there might be some lifestyle factors involved in that as well? Yeah, look, I guess um, at the time when this happened, we were running a thriving uh, portrait and wedding photography business in Sydney. We had... Mm-hmm four other photographers and a team of five people and the business was really humming. Um, Everything that we'd, you know, worked our backsides off for, honestly. And then I stepped out of the business about, you know, three months before my son was born just so that I could spend more quality time with our daughter who was about to start kindergarten. Um, And I guess for my husband, he just got this, I could see it happening, this kind of doom that was happening he felt like he he now talks about how he feels like his wingman had left his side and his the wingman being me and that he felt all of a sudden that he was shouldering this all on his own and he didn't feel like he could share or burden me with that because I was just about to bring this new life into the world um and it wasn't until one day you know he'd been out shooting a wedding and I started just researching stuff on the web myself and I came across the Beyond Blue website and there was a whole lot of um, you know, questions on there and I just started ticking boxes, you know, like, yep, that's a symptom, that's a symptom. 
So when he got home that night, I sat him down and I said, I'd like you to have a look at this. I think you might be suffering from depression. And um, and he, he read it and I'm quite fortunate that he's always been quite a sensitive soul and he looked at it and he goes, yeah, that's exactly where I'm at. And so the next day he, he said, I promise you I'll go and see the doctor. And uh, the doctor did the, you know, the normal questionnaire with him and, and basically said that he was, you know, extremely high on work-related stress and um, and then going through, you know, getting the referral to the psychologist, et cetera. That's when it was kind of considered that the, the knock-on impact of all of this was actually becoming a dad um, for a second time. And um, and since then we've actually done um, quite a bit of work with Panda, um, which is talking about postnatal depression and and the focus on men just to try to bring it out into you know the limelight, um, for want of a better word, just so that people do know that men suffer this and it's actually all right to talk about it. It's not something that should be hidden. And in fact, the only way we're going to deal with it better is by making it. You know, like it's it really is a lifestyle illness of today. Um, and the unfortunate thing is, is when you look at people from the outside, they look fine, but it's actually yeah. what's going on inside that's not. Well, you must be very proud of him, Belinda. I mean, I think especially for a, for a man, men seem to struggle sometimes more with this, and then, and it's probably a gross generalisation, but I think they sometimes do, of just acknowledging that there is a problem there. Um, mm. and, and then not only acknowledging that there's a problem and, and sort of admitting to that, but then also being willing to go and do something about it and being, being willing to tackle it head on and, and take some action around it, uh, you know, it's something to be absolutely commended. So you must be very proud of him for that. Oh, I am extremely proud of him. I mean, more so because we've never been a, um, a family of, you know, like go to the doctor every time you sneeze kind of thing. I'm very much, um, you know, okay, ever since the children were born, if they had an ear infection, for instance, my first course of action would be, you know, to put a bit of um, warm olive oil with garlic in the area and get them straight to the chiropractor rather than, you know, like go to an actual GP for antibiotics. So when he come home with that script, his first reaction was, what should we do? Should we do something with this? And I said, look, I don't understand the depths of where you're at. If you need to have medication to help you, then fine, let's do it. If not, I'm happy to help you see what else we can do. And at that stage, I was, you know, like I wasn't a health and wellness coach. I was just a mum who followed my own instinct about how I felt where the kids were at. Mm. Um, You know, if they were sick, how can I help them? I mean, we've got so many things in our own kitchen pantry that we can help, you know, with common childhood illnesses. Um, And so when he said, no, let's see what we can do, that was just, that was like giving me permission to mm-hmm. invest every time outside that I'm not tending to the children to research. And I become like a woman possessed, you know, like I um, I just didn't stop, you know. And then the very first time that we discovered the, the linkage between gluten and depression and schizophrenia and bipolar, bipolar and all mm-hmm. of, you know, like the neurological kind of illnesses, it was just making that simple change for him that within a week, and I'm, I'm talking about this guy's six foot four, so he's a big dude, you know, and within a week he actually, of not having gluten in his diet, he said to me, I feel like a fog has lifted. And it was probably at that point that we said, okay, well, we'll definitely keep gluten out of our diet. And we really noticed that in the next two months, the dramatic change in our daughter. 
And at that point I was like, why aren't people being told this? Yeah. You know, like why are we headed straight to the, you know, to get a, a script filled rather than, okay, something as simple as cutting out mm. bread, pasta, soy sauce, mm. tomato sauce, all of that. Do you know what amazes me, Belinda, is that not only are people not being told it, but often people are being actively told not to do it. And mm. even in the face of the, the overwhelming evidence where, you know, not saying that there's overwhelming evidence for the whole population, but the overwhelming evidence where it has worked for this one particular individual sitting in front of whatever health practitioner it is, and they still mm. turn around and say, well, I still don't think that works. I think you should go back to eating it. You know, it, it yeah. blows me away that, that that sort of advice gets given in the face of, as I said, that, that overwhelming individual evidence that it's working for this person. Yeah, look, and that, that's actually one of the things I've factored into my education programs for both children and parents is to really get them to understand that food has a way of making you feel, you know, like food, actually forget the taste for the minute, but food yes. can make you feel a certain way. And it may not be how you feel when you're eating it, but it's how you feel, the, you know, that afternoon, that evening, the next day, you know, we've got to start paying attention to what our body is telling us because we're, you know, like we're innately intelligent and we're just not letting our body speak for itself you know and in fact a lot of the foods today as you probably well know like have flavor enhancers that mm. are designed to get us to go wow this is amazing yeah. even though it's just not yeah. um so yeah there's you know like getting the whole understanding of how food makes you feel is massive and our our son who's now five he will often say oh mum, i feel terrible after feeling eating that i feel bloated you know, and for a five-year-old to be saying how he feels as a result of the food, for me, I go, I sit back and I go, wow, I'm actually doing my job all right. Yeah, I Today love I'm that. doing my job all right, you know. I love that. And that fits so well. That's that's exactly the sort of stuff I talk about in my book as well, Belinda. We're absolutely on the same page. And, and similarly with mm. my kids, you know, they're now uh, just turning five and seven and you hear the same sort of stuff even from, you know, several years ago where they, they're able to make that link between how they're feeling and how they're functioning and, and what foods they're eating. And that's so powerful, mm. isn't it? Because kids just get it, don't they? they they're oh, so they in do. touch with their body. If we step out of the way ourselves, because I can tell you a lot of the times um, as we're going around, we're running pop-up events in every in, in key towns of, you know, talking to kids about why it's important to eat real foods and um, how, it, you know, real simple messages, how the different colours of fruits and vegetables can help different parts of your body. And then we, we yeah. make a smoothie using three different colours. So we talk about how it's helping different parts of their body. And just happens to have, you know, like baby spinach in it because it gives you that revolting impact of green. Um, and we talk to them about how, you know, your eyes are for seeing, nose for smelling, ears for hearing and your tongues for tasting. But a lot of the time children and even adults turn away from how things look. Yeah. So we encourage them to taste with their tongue even though it is green. And, you know, sometimes I even get the mum or the dad that's there that say, oh, no, he or she won't eat that, oh, yeah. he or she won't try that. And I think sometimes if we just got out of our own way Absolutely. and let the kids have a go, <clears throat> then we might actually be pleasantly surprised and our life would actually become a little bit easier, you yeah. know, like I mean. And it's one of the um, biggest things I talk about in the book is keep trying because their tastes mm. change all the time. You know, it's not a life sentence because they don't happen to like spinach right now. It doesn't mm. mean they're never going to like it for the rest of their life. Yeah, Exactly. You know, it's and you, you've probably experienced it with your own kids, but we were, whilst we were building our bus, um, we lived with my mum for seven months and it was my job to cook 
the meals during the week, but on Sundays it was her, you know, time tested tradition Mm -hmm. that we've had ever since I was little was to cook a roast dinner and she would always have, you know, roast potato, roast um, pumpkin and roast sweet potato and every week for seven months she would put it out and my my son, who would not touch the sweet potato, (laughs) mums keep putting it out, kept putting it out and then two weeks before we were due to leave, all of a sudden he started eating it, you know, like we never made a big deal about it because our whole thing is if you bring stress to the eating process, you know, stomach tightens up there, just it makes eating more difficult. It's not a fun experience. So, you know, if he didn't eat it that week, we'd leave it there, you know, have it in our own lunchbox the next day. But two weeks before we were due to leave, all of a sudden he started eating it. It was like, nanny, this is amazing. It tastes Uh like caramel, you know. And now he's forever asking me to make sweet potato, roast sweet potato in the bus. So it's yeah. you've really just, you know, let them learn themselves what food is and, you know, role model. If you want them to eat it, you eat it, you know. Don't don't think that you need to keep making other meals. I mean, I talk – one of the things that mums tell me uh, that – you know, they their kids don't eat things. They're they're fussy. And then the second thing is, I'm just so tired. And it's be, you know, sometimes it's because they're making two or three meals for one meal because their kids won't eat something. So they go and rush off and make something else and bring it back to the table. And mm. you know, it, we we actually are creating, I guess, a life that's more complex for ourselves. Whereas if we actually just said, this is what we're eating tonight, and I'm not going to make you eat it. But, you know, yeah. while we're at the table, you need to sit with us. And if you don't eat it, then that's fine. But, you know, just that's what's for dinner. I love you know? that. And that's perfect yeah. because yeah, mm. you don't want them to feel like they have to eat it. You want them to want to eat it because it's such yeah. a crucial distinction. If they, if they love eating it rather than they feel like mm. they have to eat it, it completely yeah. changes their relationship with that food, doesn't it? Oh, it totally does. And, it, and it's one of those things, like I remember when I was little, my mum used to like Brussels sprouts. Always, and she only ever steamed them, and they smelt like my brother's football socks in water. I remember it vividly, even to this day. But as I've got older, I've actually learnt to to like them. I roast them in a little bit of salt and pepper and coconut oil, and my kids fight over them now. Like, who's going to have the last last one on the pick plate, you know? And I think if I had of, you know, tried to force them to to have it, they probably would have done what you know, my brothers and sisters and I did to mum was like we used to pretend we were eating them and then put them under the table <laughs> and then it was someone's job to take it out to the dog out the back when mum wasn't watching, you know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think the the real key is, you know, be open enough to let your children experience different foods and flavours. Um, don't make it stressful, you know, make it a fun experience and if they don't eat it, be prepared to have it yourself the next day for lunch and then keep trying because their taste buds do change. And then the other thing is, is I guess if you're introducing a new food, no one really likes change. And so you put something new out in front of a child, particularly if it's green, it's change and they're a bit scared by it. So, you know, like you need to continually sort of put it out and make it normal, make it visible, make it acceptable for them to think, wow, you know, like I'm seeing this, I'm used to it now, it's not change anymore, so I'm going to give it a go. I love Mm. that. You're just dropping so many brilliant tips for parents here, Belinda. I think they're going to absolutely love this. And one of the things I loved that you said at the start was you said that um, that before you made the changes, you were doing a good job as a parent because you were doing Mm. the best you could with what you knew, and then when you knew better, you started to do better. And I think that's 
brilliant. And that's such an important message for parents is that, you know, I said this to the parents that come along to my talks. So I launched my book the other night and they came along and, and, you know, I said to them, look, you know, you guys are all fantastic parents because you're here and you're learning stuff and you're, you know, you're doing a great job with your kids. So, you know, you should feel good about that. You shouldn't feel bad about the fact that, you know, there may be some things you want to change because there's always going to be things you want to change. So mm. I think that's such an important message for parents, isn't it? That they're not wrong. You know, they're not bad. They haven't done anything wrong, right? But no. when, they, when they know more, then they can make different choices as well. Yeah, look, and that's, I mean, I always say at my parents' seminars, wherever you're at is totally perfect. What really will make a difference is what you do when you walk out the door tonight. So I think the the key here is is that particularly around packaged foods, there is like there's been an explosion since the 70s. There was like 3,000 packets on a supermarket shelf. Today there's 80,000. And it's that's, and you know, obviously you know, predominantly filled with sugars and additives and preservatives. Um, But that's all happened at a time when I guess, you know, a lot of families have had both mums and dads going off to work. Um, And, you know, whether we really like it or not, our society has become that our kids have to be scheduled so with so many activities that a mum's life is like constantly like a taxi driver. Mm. And so all of this explosion of food and advertising has happened when the demands on a parent's time has become more. So a lot of it's actually happened without us even really realising it. Um, And so a lot of the things that I teach them about foods in my seminars are really things that have happened, you know, without anyone really realising it. And that's why it's so important for them to understand that where they're at is totally perfect. Mm. But now that they know it, choose one thing and say, okay, I know that I can do better with that. What is it that I'm going to do? And I say the exact same things to the children I teach. Like I really think the key to to this for children is education. Like it's, it is now a life skill to be able to understand how to read a packet label because yeah. that's the world that we're in. And they need to be taught, in fact, how to read that packet and make a conscious choice of do I want to put this in my body? Or do I not? And just because my friend is doing it doesn't mean that it's right for me. Mm. And to give them the, you know, like empower them to actually feel that they can make that choice themselves. Yeah, and make an informed um, choice because that's really what it's about, isn't it? I think so often oh, the is. kids are making choices with without much of the information and, and without the, I guess, experience that you spoke about of, of actually being able to pay attention to what happens to their body and how they feel before, during and after they eat stuff. Um, mm. So they're not then making an informed choice. And, and that's why that education, that information, as well as the experience, is so important, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. And, you know, last week I posted on Facebook about um, a class that I taught in Denelicum where I, I was teaching children and parents. I had a joint, you know, session with mums and dads and kids and they sat down on the floor and they, as a family and they started reading common foods that go into lunchboxes. And one little boy was like beside himself about what he learned about a drink, an apple drink that he'd Mm. been having regularly. He was shocked by the amount of sugar, but he was also shocked about the preservatives. And so I innocently posted on my Facebook about my excitement that, you know, I had empowered this boy that's nine years old, firstly to read a label, but to consciously make a choice about whether he wanted to drink that anymore. Yeah. And, oh, my gosh, you like the post has gone bananas. Like it's reached like 3 million people, been wow. shared 25,000 times. And, you know, of course it's brought out the trolls because it was talking yeah. about additives and preservatives. <laughs> and, 
you know, they they got on the tangent of the chemical makeup of those additives and preservatives when mine was really about well, the, at the true heart of this is a child has been empowered to learn and he's made a conscious choice he doesn't want to have that anymore. Yeah. Um, and so I've been totally blown away by the number of people that have jumped on board and said, wow, I didn't know that was in there. I'm actually going to find something better for myself. And, like, I mean, I can deal with the trolls because of that. (laughs) Um, It it took me a couple of days to to learn that that's okay, that I I can actually have a voice and speak up, um, even though these other people are saying not so nice things. But um, it's just, it's so powerful. Children are intelligent and if you arm them with the information, they will make our job as a parent easier because they'll learn and they'll stop nagging us for it. That's the beauty of it, isn't it? When you can empower kids to want to do it for themselves, it just it takes out that battle, doesn't it? All of a sudden you mm. get on the same team rather than being yeah. on the opposite sides. Uh, exactly. That's what this is always about. I always say to um, the schools when I'm talking to them, you know, this is about so that parents can have peaceful conversations at home rather than the power struggle that they normally have. I love it. I love it. This is so in my wavelength. This is all the stuff I've been talking about in my book, and I'm I'm just loving hearing this from you because it's just uh, we're, we're we're teaching the same stuff, and I think that's great, and it's so empowering. Mm. It's it's very exciting. Now, one of the things you spoke about, Belinda, was your daughter being teased at school, and I know that's a concern for a lot of parents who are wanting to adopt a healthier lifestyle. Um, is mm. they're concerned about the social implications of that? You know, if they're not eating what everyone else is doing, if they're not you know, doing what's advertised on TV, what's being promoted as the norm on social media or on television shows or whatever it happens to be, that they might feel a bit ostracized, that they might feel a bit, um, you know, out of place, a bit uncomfortable. And, and you know, emotionally that can be really important. It's such a delicate time for kids as they're growing and developing. And, you know, I always said doing my book and doing what I do, one of my big passions is creating a healthy environment for my kids to grow up in. You know, I would love it mm. to be that what they do is the norm. But at the oh, moment, that's not the case. So how do you deal with that with your family? Because there's a lot of parents, I think, who would be in a similar situation and with similar concerns. Well, I think, I mean, that's partly why we're doing this whole mission, you know, like because my goal is that after 18 months on the road and touching as many people as we can, what we want to be normal is having a lunchbox that's packed with nourishing foods rather than packed with packets that, you know, don't actually help children's bodies. So... The aim is to actually get children firstly to understand that when they eat real food, it nourishes their body, it helps them concentrate and learn better, it's better for their muscle development, growth, all of that, and also teaching them that when they eat packaged convenience foods, you know, like it really doesn't do much to nourish their body and they don't get a lot of concentration out of it. Um, And so one of the things is that you need to actually practice that at home you know, for your kids to actually, like, if that's the way you eat at home, then their lunchbox is actually normal Yeah. Um, rather than, okay, that they have junky stuff at home and then all of a sudden they have, you know, proper yeah. food in their lunchbox. So just making it that this is your way of life, eating real food is a way of life, is and, really and important. That's what the whole family does too. Oh, exactly. And then the other thing is you do have to contend with the, I guess, the peer things that happen at school. At one stage my daughter had come home she said, oh, Mum, you know, like the the girls in my group are, you know, swapping their, you know, my muffins for their, you know, their packets of you know, Oreo biscuits and inwardly I cringed thinking, oh, my God. And then I very calmly said, well, why do you think they'd be wanting your beautiful homemade muffin for their packet of Oreos? And she said, well, because it tastes better. And I said, and how do you know it tastes better? She said, because I ate those Oreos. 
And I said, well, there you go. Now, do you think that you should actually be eating your better food that yeah. tastes nicer and is better for you than that Oreos? And, and she said, yeah. And yeah, how did okay, you feel mom. when you ate the Oreos? What happened next? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. I that's should the ask great that. sort of questions you can have, isn't it? The great conversations uh, you can start to have when you're really informing them like that. Well, Belinda, this is yeah. awesome. I mean, what you're doing is just phenomenal. Um, you know, I will definitely be hitting you up and making sure you're heading to my kids' school. Uh, because I think this sort of information is just wonderful and I think it would be brilliant for them to be exposed to it. So from speaking to you off air, you were suggesting that the best way to do that is to speak to the parents and friends group at the school and then get yeah. them to submit to the principal or the you know the teachers um, in order to try and you know get this bus headed to your school. So um, is that the best way to do it? Yeah, it is. And we've actually got like a brochure that we've designed up specifically for the schools. So if you... Um, jump on our website, there's like a, a form that you can fill in and we'll contact you and email you the actual brochure for you to take to the PNF. Um, and in that it covers, you know, like what are the objectives of the Mad Food Science Program, um, you know, frequently asked questions. We've also got a whole lot of, you know, praise in there from teachers, um, parents and students and, and all the information about the cost of the program as well. That's brilliant. Well, I will. Um, I will definitely get you to email that to me um, because I okay. will definitely be submitting that to my parents, uh, to my parents' group at my kids' school, uh, and to the principal at my kids' school because I think that would be just a wonderful thing. And I think as much as anything, they're going to be super excited just to see your bus that you're living in. They'll think that's so <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, it is pretty cool. Now, so where have you been so far, Belinda, and where are you heading? Uh, well, we started off back in October last year um, and we did two weeks working with an Indigenous community in Newcastle, which was absolutely fascinating because you think that our statistics, the average Australian statistics are 27.4% of overweight and obese mm. are bad in that community that I was working with. It was 41% of their wow. children by the time they hit five. That's scary. So, yeah, not to mention, like, I couldn't tell you the dental decay that I saw in those two weeks, which was frightening. Um, so, yeah, two weeks with them in Newcastle, and then we did some areas around the Hunter Valley, um, and then from there we went to Bathurst, um, Orange, Lithgow, um, Tamworth, Dubbo, uh, and then we went to Wagga. We've done Gerildery, Daniloquin, Bendigo, and Ballarat now, um, which is where we currently are. And then we're heading into Melbourne for a short stint before we go across to Tasmania for the whole month of February and then back up the east coast of Australia between, I guess, the end, like middle of March through to uh, May and then the top end, June, July, and then across WA, August, September, and making our way into Adelaide towards the end of next year. Oh, poor little oh, old Adelaide, sorry. right at the end of the yeah. line. I'll tell you what, yeah. I've got to wait so long. Um, but it's amazing, and it's it's been so well received in the schools. You've said that already, uh, you know, you've got so many schools in towns that you've been to wanting you to come back because you missed their school, and they've obviously heard such mm. wonderful things about the program from the other schools and from the other parents and from the other kids. That's got to be pleasing to hear that sort of feedback. Oh, it does. It's it's absolutely amazing. And I'm being contacted by, you know, other people who are interested in running the classes on my behalf. I've even been contacted by someone in New Zealand. So it's actually like, I guess for me, totally become so much more than what I could have possibly imagined. And so we're at the stage now 
where a couple of teachers have said to us, you really need to turn your program into resources that the schools can have and run the classes themselves. So that's our next goal. I mean, we're self-funding this trip at the moment, so I don't have a lot of cash left in the bank um, to pay for someone to do it. So we're going to try to see if we can find a partner in another business that's supportive of this that we can possibly pay someone to um, turn our materials into, you know, like proper educational uh, materials that teachers can download um, and that way it will get to a lot more people a lot quicker than what we can currently do as we go around that's wonderful belinda and you know i guess the other option for doing something like that might be to do something like a gofundme and get people to donate to that because i'm sure there'd be heaps of people who would be willing to donate some money to help you do that and certainly i know that myself and the paleo show would be more than willing to promote that and try and get people on board to, to get you some funding to do that sort of program because it's, it's awesome and it's so needed. That's a great idea. We hadn't actually thought of that. Just yeah. Just put it out there. Anyway. Yeah, thank <laughs> so, you. Um, Thanks. We're out of time, Belinda. This has been an amazing episode. I have just absolutely loved it. I've so enjoyed hearing it um, from someone else, you know, who's just sharing yeah. the same message. It's wonderful to hear we're so on the same page. It's exciting and that you're actually actively out there doing it and getting into these schools and travelling around the country is is just wonderful. So well done, Belinda. You, do, you guys Thank are doing you. such an amazing job, um, and thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having us. It's been great. Thank you. Absolute pleasure. So until next week, join the conversation on Facebook. Give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Join our newsletter list at thatpaleoshow.com, and let's help grow the paleo tribe worldwide. Join us next week on That Paleo Show. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.